Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, we are we are continuing our series on IEEE blockchain and AI for healthcare. Uh, and uh, today's guest, Gora Data, uh, is uh, one of the senior members of IEEE and sponsoring a lot of these uh, these these talks. And uh, but he is a uh, academia and uh, um, now into his own company, uh, industry and academia kind of dividing. CEO of Cal to Cal, and also a visiting uh, professor at University of California Berkeley. Uh, Gora, welcome. Thanks for joining today. Thank you very much, Chris. It's my honor to be part of the show. Thank you. Definitely. So, um, Justin, there's so much to say about you. It's better though you kind of give your background. Um, I, I, um, you know, a lot of the what you see the efforts in this series uh, and uh, work with IEEE blockchain has been Gora, very positive force in engaging there with so many different areas. A whole series for a year you did every month of a speaker series. It was very very well uh, engaged with, but uh, give us your background, how you got to where you're at and uh, where you expect uh, things are heading. Sure, Uh, thank you, Chris, again, uh, for the opportunity. Uh, I do various things, I wear too many hats, Uh, but fundamentally, I'm a tech person, uh, ICT, Information Communication Technology, that's the field I've been for the last 38 years. And uh, as you mentioned earlier on, uh, I'm the founding, Chairman and CEO of Caltocal Corporation, an ICT-based tech organization, uh, been around for 25 years. Uh, even though it feels like as if we started yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, and within my 40, nearly 40 years of uh, professional experience, I've worked. Uh, I'm based in the U.S., Southern California. This is where I've been for the last 33 years or so. But I've worked internationally, globally across the uh, various countries across co- continents or primarily in the ICT space, but in the recent past, for the last 20 plus years, I've specialized in digital health, digital tech, mobile health. Do you have any kind of a healthcare background or is it mostly just technical kind of bridging over? It is technical bridging over. I don't have a healthcare background per se, but what, what is interesting is this life comes around a circle. Uh, so I'm a engineer by training and also a scientist. So I'm a I have a bachelor's degree in engineering um, and a master's in science. And one of my the science projects I did during graduation, this is interesting, is a six-month project on computer-aided application in DNA sequencing. And this was way back in 1984. So maybe the, there was some sparkle of uh, working in the health space was there and it's come full circle for me. But, but otherwise, uh, yes, it's really working with our clients over the years uh, through a tech background uh, and especially in the last 20 years i'm embedded in the healthcare industry yeah talk about that the hl7 what it is and and your involvement there right so one of the things i do quite a bit and especially for again for the last 15 20 years uh, 20 20 plus years is working in the standard space 
and specifically in the digital health standards or digital health informatics standards space. So within that, there are a couple of standards bodies. So one of them being HL7.org, Health Level 7. And this is a standards organization, SDO, Standards Development Organization. And I wear uh, a few uh, hats there in that organization. Uh, I am the founding chair of its mobile health work group. Uh, we know in, in fact, uh, for nine years since we started that group, so it's been around for some time where we are now developing standards in the mobile health space. I'm also on its Education Advisory Council, I'm one of its founding members, where we are looking into all things related to HL7 and education. But primarily HL7 is a technical standards committee, which is uh, developing standards. It's been around for about 25, 30 years, and it's developed standards in the health informatics space. All right, we'll be right back and hear from our sponsors. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier on today with Gora Data. Uh, and before the break, we were talking about uh, HL7, health, health standards, health records. And you mentioned mobile uh health right. um explain what that means is that like mobile applications is it all the iot devices what is mobile health all of those uh, so it, 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 anything the world we live in today th this was quite a novelty 10 years ago when we started uh as a standards group and if you sort of look look back uh it's only in, in last since 2008 or so when mobile technology became mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, even though the mobile technology has been around for over uh, around 20 years or so, but it's really in the last uh, 12 years or so, since 2008 or so, it's become a mainstream stay with every person, young, uh, adult, or uh, mature seniors, everybody has a mobile device. Mm -hmm. As I say, anything from you know six-month-old um, baby with mom trying to keep the baby Quiet. They hand them the phone, phone, and, and they're looking at the cartoon. To you know, 80, 90 year old, the entire spectrum is now completely uh, dependent or, or uses technology for day to day. So this is what we are looking in from a healthcare perspective. Is is not only from a patient perspective, from a provider, from a payer, from a, you know, pharmacy, you, you name it. The application of mobile technology in access and care of health. Okay. Um, and the, the transmission between those HL7. Gotcha. Um, a couple other things. I mean, IEEE got there in your backdrop. We got connected through IEEE and you work with ISO. Talk about the, the kind of the, how, how that fits into those as well. Right. So, so IEEE is uh, the world's largest, uh, oldest and largest professional organization. As I uh, always fondly say, the Association of Geeks. Uh, it started uh, many years ago, 1884, 
or, or somewhere in, in, the, in that time frame. But it's been over the last um, many years, especially the last 50 or 60 years, it has evolved and gone beyond uh, being an Institute of Electric and Electronic Engineering. And we don't use that expansion anymore. It's really IEEE. And it not only has uh, uh, technical folks from the electrical electronics background, there are folks from the computing background, uh, folks from the engineering side, from engineering in medicine and biology, and, and you name it, the entire spectrum. Within that, IEEE also has a standards group activity called IEEE Standards Association. So we there are some uh, roles I play there as well. One of our key initiative is the IEEE Blockchain Initiative, uh, amongst many other uh, initiatives within the emerging tech umbrella, or, or what, what we call our future directions. And within the blockchain initiative, uh, as you mentioned earlier on, I helped launch the IEEE Healthcare Blockchain and AI Virtual Cities in the midst of pandemic uh, in the 20, middle of 2020, 2020. And yes, it's been about you know, 15, 18 months where we have pulled off, which seemed quite impossible. How do we get people back engage and converse and especially in this field emerging growing field of blockchain and ai in with respect to healthcare and besides uh the ieee blockchain initiative i'm the uh, co-chair of its conference and events for the ieee blockchain initiative besides chairing the virtual series i mentioned i also wear a few other hats within ieee i'm the chair of the southern california council I'm also on the board of the Orange County section and so on and so forth. So I'm deeply embedded and a vol active volunteer of IEEE as well. And what do you do with ISO? Right. So ISO is International Standards Organization. Uh, it's a global body uh, affiliated with, with, with the UN at that level where members of ISO are countries. It's, it's an interesting organization where you and I cannot be members of it directly. Members are the countries, and then we can be the country represented. So I'm a US delegate to ISO, and within the ISO, there are different technical committees addressing different technical areas, different areas. So the, the committee I belong to is called ISO TC, for Technical Committee 215, a very <laughs> geeky, and it's for health informatics. Mm -hmm. I'm part of, so first of all, I'm a US delegate, to ISO TC215. And within the TC215 technical committee, there are different work groups. So I'm the convener of the chair of one of the newly formed work group called work group 10, interestingly on traditional medicine. So you would wonder what, where does traditional medicine fit in, in the healthcare paradigm? And that's exactly what we are trying to break is that these are no longer silos. As patients, you know, we may be taking the Western medicine, we may be taking the, our traditional medicine, but when we go and talk to a doctor, we don't mention what herbs uh, we may have taken or what traditional medicine we may have taken. And but it does impact our health. So we're trying to you know break that silo. So anyway, so so within TC within TC two one five, I'm the convener. In fact, the founding convener of this particular work. Interesting. So now we step back to the topic. You know, for today is emerging technologies, and we'll call right. blockchain AI other emerging technologies. How do you see that that cross-section fitting in for healthcare uh, in all these, these representative organizations? How do they all fit together? All right. 
So it's a great question because uh, one of the mistakes I would say many times people make is uh, when they talk about technology and they oh, they love their computing, uh, quantum computing, or they love their blockchain, and that's all they talk about. But what is reality is when you take these emerging technologies and apply it to mainstream in terms of its use, in terms of solving a problem, uh, we don't make a distinction as, uh, oh, this is this technology, therefore it has to be, only that has to be used, or, or the technology does not exist by itself. It is, it is working with other technologies. What we are trying to solve is not the technology, uh, how to use it, but we're trying to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So you don't pick, pick a hammer of technology and, 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 uh, or, or a hammer of blockchain and use it for every you know, problem you have. What you need to do is look at the problem, what is the best way to solve that, and what are the technology you need to bring together, whether it's blockchain, whether it's AI, and many a times they are, are interlinked. So it's really important to understand that emerging tech, and when I say emerging tech, I'm really talking about technologies which have come around, let's say, in the last 20 years or so, and they have transformed the world we live in. You know, how we play, how do we, how we act, how, how we you know, relax, how do we learn? It's all technology-driven, and the emerging tech is a key part of that. Okay. So... Um... One one thing that I wanted to circle back around, and I, I know you know I might catch you off guard a little bit by this one, but um, I wanted to 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 kind of prelude it and then give you some time to think about it, and we'll talk about it when we come back from the the second sponsor break here. But is you know this show is about cybersecurity, uh, and you know privacy is a big piece of it, and I uh, you know purposely we went into all the different areas you're involved with, and I you know when we come back from the break, I want to you know say you know where does security and privacy cover in all those areas where do you where do you feel that they fit and how much are they being addressed because from people always thinking about emerging tech and the positive use cases so oftentimes we we're like oh yeah cybersecurity will be a, a bolt on afterwards so i just kind of wanted to to bring you into that discussion but we're going to hear from our sponsor we'll be right back in a minute BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Gora Data, who uh, holds so many roles and standards. We're looking at emerging technology across the board in different places uh, and uh, healthcare, especially, is the focus of of this series. And we brought him back right before the break to to security and privacy, the topics kind of that we focus on here the most. And I wanted to kind of get from from somebody being that deep into all the the international standards and what's going on with emerging technology. Where does security and privacy fit into you? How is that addressed? Right, Chris. Uh, fantastic uh, question. And now it's my turn to surprise you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of the of the many hats I wear, I, I'm also the the founding chair of the IEEE Cybersecurity Sig for Southern California. So 
yes, this is a space I've been uh, dabbling with for the last many years. In fact, given my technical background, professional background, I've been involved in networking uh, for the last 35 plus years. And th therefore, uh, so some of the cybersecurity challenges, which are completely some based upon networking infrastructure, uh, is a part and parcel of what, what I have. My DNA, DNA is all about. But coming back to healthcare in particular, uh, one of the areas I deal with on a regular basis, literally daily, are uh, providers, uh, whether they're outpatient providers, physician practices, uh, or large hospitals. Uh, this is the world I live in. And this, now if you think about small independent practices, these are the backbone of care delivery system in this country. One thing which I remind people is when you fall ill at this country, you don't go to the hospital, you know, unless it's, you know, SOS kind of an emergency situation, you go to your friendly neighborhood doctor. In most cases, they are a small independent practice. And this is the world I live in on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and trust me, they have absolutely no knowledge of cybersecurity and in fact are under the impression that this is something which will not impact them. Mm -hmm. So, and their general reaction is, oh, we are small, we have, we have nothing there's nothing, why will they come to us? They'll go after the big hospitals and they'll go after the big enterprises. So, you know, we are too small. So as you can understand that, even at that level, how vulnerable we are, how unprepared we are as a nation in terms of our preparedness for cybersecurity. That's one. The other thing is the bad guys have found this out. They know very well that we are very vulnerable in that space, number one. Number two is they've also figured out that our financial data if stolen, can easily be changed in terms of you can cancel your credit card, you can cancel your bank account, but if your health record is stolen or altered, it's a lifelong impact on you. So therefore, in, in, in the dark web, your health record is you know four times uh, as the, the selling price of your health record versus your financial record, or four to 10 times, so depending on uh, what it is. Why? For the simple reason, if you have a disease, if you have some, if some some health condition, which uh, you want to make sure it's your pri is your private information, but if if it's out there, uh, well, it's exposed. It's very very difficult to change that. You can't say, "Oh, let me cancel my disease. I don't have that anymore." Mm -hmm. so the impact of that is much more than what we are thinking. So it's and this is something which doesn't impact only the big organizations, even though that's what gets the press, but it Im impacts. The, these small provider groups. It impacts you and I as patients. And that's the other reaction I get from patients. I have nothing to hide. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they hack, what, what will happen to me? Nothing. Well, we, you and I live in this world. We know what will happen. And yeah. So, yes, this is a part and parcel of what we have to do. So, anytime you talk about emerging tech, privacy, cybersecurity is into the how much? How much of a focus on the, like the HL7, ISO, uh, and the IEEE groups do they put on security, privacy? you're involved with? Oh, very much so that there, there is a work group within HL7 just focusing on security. There's a work group within ISO TC215 just focusing on security, absolutely. And not only at these groups, but then other standards as they are evolving. So one of the key aspects of the, the new standard HL7 has today called FHIR, F-H-I-R, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources. A key part of that is uh, uh, security. So it is there across the, all the emerging standards. Absolutely. Interesting. So um, thinking about emergency technology, 
and pu- uh, putting it, applying it in these areas. What does the future look like? Where are you putting blockchain, AI, you know, where, where are the things going to help the most with the individual patients, the doctors at that level you were talking about, you know, where do we start and where's it going from here? Right. So, so this is a fascinating question because this is something I talk about quite a bit is the way we look at healthcare. If you look at the definition of healthcare, uh, it, it's in fact, if you, you know, Google healthcare or look at what, what is healthcare, it's really care being provided by the provider to the patient. That is what is healthcare. Whether the provider is, it can be hospital, it can be pharmacy, it can be a lab, it can be an insurance system, but the, these are the healthcare providers who are providing care to you and I as patient. And, and my point of, is that this is going to change. It is changing on its head. That is, in the future, we will not have patient care, healthcare. We will have patient care. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really saying is because of the emerging techs of blockchain and AI and 3D printing and AR, VR and AI, ML, is it's going to turn on its dime the way we have seen the disruption take place in other industry sectors, transportation sector, hospitality sector. I'm talking about Airbnbs. I'm talking about Ubers of the world, how they have changed those industry. Healthcare also is going through the transformation. Hmm. Where, where instead of the healthcare providing care to the patient, the care receiver, I'm saying now the care receiver will be demanding or soliciting care from the healthcare provider. So you see, instead of the care giver giving it to the receiver, is the receiver getting it from the caregiver. So you think this goes to like uh, patients helping patients or AI predicting and helping patients and and we really skip the doctor and we go distributed so, like distributed ledger with our healthcare is that what we're talking about not necessarily that we skip the doctor but what, what what i'm saying is today when you fall ill what tell me what you do when you and i we fall ill we reach out to our doctor we try to find out which doctor we need to go to if we don't have a primary care physician right what do you do today when you need need a cab or something you know you you pick up a phone and Uber and five cabs mm-hmm. will say, oh, I, I want to service you. Mm-hmm. That is the, the change. So that you'll, is the you'll basically say, I need service, and 10 doctors will be there to say, which one which one of us would you take? In a very, in a very simplistic manner. But but yes, that is the, 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 the change I'm seeing happening. And So do you think the, doctors quit having a set list of patients anymore? And it's just like whoever's online at the time can service whoever needs help at the time? To some extent, yes. If you think about it, how we have sort of moved in the you know in the shopping area, right? Especially when you had to buy something in in the olden days, you know, many years back, you would go to the milk store, you know, mm-hmm. you would go to the egg store, you you would go to the you know shoe store, and then all those went away. You had the supermarkets, you had the consolidation of the services, and you go to one place, and then you had all the services. And now what we are saying, okay, we, we go to Amazon and, and the goods come to us, or we, we go to some kind of a common intermediary. So we can see this change which has taken place. So in healthcare also, we would see similar changes coming very rapidly, where concepts like curbside medicine. between seems like, the- I mean, we, we went to micro providers, everybody had their own family doctor. 
uh, and then they go to megas with hospitals. It's almost like saying that that distributed ledger and merging technologies get us away from the micro providers to a commodity source pool of providers. Right, and and the question is why? Because various reasons. One, we we are a growing population. We are no longer two billion population worldwide. We are now mm-hmm. touching eight billion globally. And this has happened in, in less than 100 years. You know, if you go back and see what our population was 100 years ago, I think around, you know, 4 billion or, or even less. Mm-hmm. Today, we, we are touching 8 billion. So right now, but we'll be soon 8 billion and, and, and increasing. So we have more people, but do we have as many doctors coming up? No, the statistics are in fact ever widening and especially in many countries, developing countries, where we have lesser number of, care providers compared to the population. So so it's a gap which is not going to get filled up. Yeah. Second is, thanks to the advances in medicine, we are no longer dying at the age of 50s and 60s. There was a reason why retirement age was set at what it was set in way back. Today, when we turn into our 50s or 60s, we start living. We live for the next 30, 20, 30, 40 years, depending on you know, your, your lifespan. So we are living, we have, we have more population, we are living longer, but our diseases haven't gone away. So we so we live longer, we live with our diseases, and because of the lifestyle we lead, our diseases are now starting in our teens or, or early teens. Look at the pre-diabetic, look at the obesity, all these things which would normally have people get there around their 50s and 60s, now in the teens or, or pre-teens where they're getting it. Mm-hmm. All these are increasing uh, impact on the cost of care. So this is where technology comes in. This is where enabling uh, emerging techs come in. This is where I see the, the role of blockchain, AI, AR, VR, all, all these various emerging techs come into play. Yeah. Do you see that, you know, maybe even a prediction software will take the first run to see and, and tell us what we might have before a human even gets in the loop as a provider? Okay. So so let me tell you something not too many people know. I'm sure you have, uh, Chris, you have drive through a fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, your favorite, you know, whether it's McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger or wherever, right? Or Wendy's, whatever it is. And you, if you're going to a drive through what are you doing? You're ordering on the, the board, which is out there, there's a speaker, this person comes in, you place the order and you go and pick up the food. Most people, almost all, don't recognize and realize that that is not necessarily always a human. Did you know that? Even though you, I, think I have noticed some of them are 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 very consistent and you know could not be a person that chipper all the time. Right. So most people think, oh, there's somebody with a headset inside who's going to hand me the food. No, it is actually, and already we have in our system where these are human interactive, human-like interactive. A system, wise recognition system, which is already interacting with you. So they are, we are seeing the triaging. We are already seeing the impact of bots. We are uh, we are already seeing the impact of CD and 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 other such uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, solutions coming in. Even in my household, you now how do you know turning off the lights before you go to bed? You no longer need to get out. You say, you know, hey Google, you know, turn off that light or hey Siri. Our uh, driving, uh, there's no human there, all our GPS devices. So we are already seeing that. So we are seeing the transformation come in. So it's, it's really the level of sophistication 
the technology will do the the initial level of filtering interfacing uh, triaging mm-hmm. and then we will have the higher level and high, next level of uh, intervention so how do you see that the federal or public health care uh, programs or would would fit into this take some of these roles uh, you know, where do you see that right so the c- couple of things happening here as well so on one hand we, we are seeing the impact of technology or the potential impact of technology in some cases, right? On the other hand, we are also seeing a very, very widening digital gap, which is mm-hmm. taking. Why? For very interesting reasons. That all these emerging techs that we are talking about have come out, let's say, in the last twenty years or so. Very aggressive, you know. Some may be a little older, but let's say in the last twenty years, most of them have come around. And whereas, if you look at our educational system in any country, including our country. Our uh, educational system, our gear are structured in such a way that the folks who are teaching you were themselves trained over 20, 30 years ago. So you have a system where somebody is teaching you about knowledge which they themselves were not trained on. Mm-hmm. Because these innovations have come in the last you know, 15 to 20 years. So you are seeing a skills gap that, that's on one hand. Second is the whole adoption of technology and mobile technology. You name any kid, a two-year, this is what I say, take it, take any two-year-old child across the globe, doesn't matter who their parents are, they may, you, they may not be able to speak their own mother tongue, but they know how to play with dad and mom's cell phone, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter how rich, how poor, uh, which country, uh, economic status, doesn't matter. A two-year-old kid knows how to play with dad and mom's phone, and every dad and mom tries their best not give them that, but they know it. So we are ingrained, we are wired as future generation to leverage technology and use. Mm -hmm. So therefore, all the services which are coming through now in the future, whether coming from the federal system or private system, has to recognize that, that our future generation is much more adaptive and therefore their vision, their view, their need, their, their expectation are very different than what the previous generation was. And one of the areas you spoke about privacy, no, what is privacy for you and I is very different than what is privacy for the young generation. Mm-hmm. So yes, so as far as systems and emerging systems which are coming through in the future, you know, first of all, this skills gap which I'm talking about that needs to be changed. It is being recognized now. Uh, COVID really threw the spotlight on that. That how ill prepared we were as a nation. In fact, the entire world was ill prepared when COVID. And it was really technology which had to fast track because suddenly we stopped going anywhere, right? We were all at home, but the, the life had to go on. Service had to be provided. What came to rescue was the mobile technologies and, and the connections. Mm-hmm. So, so we are seeing that adoption. We are seeing that change and recognition that we need to mitigate the skills gap. We need to upskill our uh, working professional and we need to reskill or new skill of our young generation. All right. Well, that's a good good closing, except for I wanted you to kind of uh, uh, reach out to our audience and tell any way they can get involved with you, uh, connect with you, any uh, customers or whatever that you might need to engage with you or looking for, anything you'd like to get out to our audience. Sure. Um, on, a, on a personal level, uh, you have my name, and if you do a LinkedIn search with me, you will be able to find me. Uh, that's on, on a public forum. But if you are interested in 
in being involved in any of the standards organization I mentioned, HL7, IEEE, or ISO TC215. These are organizations which are also always actively looking for uh, volunteers. These are all volunteer-driven organizations. So all the work is being done by volunteers like you and I. And uh, if you have the passion, the, uh, the, the desire to change, the desire to do innovation, come along and enjoy the ride. I've been doing this for the last 20, 25 years on, on the standards world, but I've enjoyed my journey in my professional career for the last 38 years in the world of information and communication technology. So, all right. And the fun. Thank you very much for joining today, uh, Gordata, on a New Cyber Frontier. Great. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.